I love cartoons. I've always loved cartoons. I, don't, I hope I never stop loving cartoons. That one really hits home. Uh, if you've never watched Inside Out, you need to. Uh, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, Pastor Steve just finished up a couple of series on grace. You know, uh, grace is always one-sided in our mind. You know, it's we want grace, but we want grace for other people. You know, and he ended up the uh, last couple of weeks talking about how do we apply grace. And I just want to pose the question this morning, uh, and, and I want to say this up front, grace is always needed, uh, but maybe it's not needed as much as we think it is. You ever think about that? Maybe grace isn't as needed as much as we think it is. If you could get to a place where you didn't need to extend grace quite as often because you weren't as fended over everything that happens in life, you know, a lot of grace is really not necessary if we're thinking the right way, if we're doing the right thing, if we're living the right way. Uh, but you know what? I, I just want to say up front, we're programmed this from the very early stages. If you don't know that movie, it's uh, very early stages of Riley's life. She's got these little uh, characters in her head, joy and sadness, um, you know, and, and they're, they're part of her life. But in Romans twelve eighteen, it says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we always look at that verse and say, well, I have a way out because it's only as much as it depends on me. And God would say, no, that's not your way out, that's your way in because I depend on you a whole lot more than what you want, to, want you to think. It depends a whole lot more on you. I'm going to be in this process, but you've got to do your part in this process. I will do my part, but you've got to do your part. God never does anything in this world where he doesn't include us. He created us to have a relationship with him. What? that we can enjoy for all eternity. And so we need to do our part in this process. And so as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people, and it depends on you a whole lot more than what you want to consider. In, in fact, uh, just prior to that, uh, in the same context, it says, do not repay evil for evil. So when you tell everybody they're number one, when you have the road rage, you're repaying evil for evil. Uh, when you lash back at somebody because they lashed at you, you're doing what? You're repaying evil for evil. And God says, don't do that. Be careful to do what is right in the sight of everyone. You know who everyone includes? <laughs> everyone. But what about that person? No, everyone. Do what's right in the sight of God for everyone. Ecclesiastes 7.9, do not be quickly offended or do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. For anger resides in the laps of fools. So when that guy cut you off in traffic this morning and you told him he was number one, you're a fool. I didn't say it. God said it. Anger resides. It's, anger is just sitting there waiting for you to enact it. It sits in your lap. Why? Because you're so easily provoked. And God tells us, don't be so easily offended. And you have these two characters, and you have many more. You have fear and disgust and anger that are introduced in this movie. And then later on, there's another one, which we won't talk about, because that's my granddaughters are never going to date. So we don't have to worry about that one. But you have these two characters, joy and sadness. And joy doesn't want any sadness, and sadness doesn't want any joy. And so many times in our our life, we're the same way. But here's the reality. Too much sadness leads to what? Depression and all kinds of health issues. Do you know what joy, too much joy leads to? Fake joy, because most of the people that, that have too much joy, it's a fake, fake life. You know what fake joy leads to? Too much joy leads to? The same thing that too much sadness leads to. You don't think so? Look at all these, these, these uh, characters that we see on TV, all of these uh, celebrities that we see that, uh, that everything is great in their life. They're always happy. They're always happy. And what's the next thing that happens that we, that we see every time? Suicide. 
You see, when you, when you surround yourself and you live these fake lives where you don't have balance between joy and sadness, they're, they're both necessary. Uh, too much adventure and not enough fear, <laughs> you're going to end up in the ER all the time. Too much curiosity and not enough disgust, you're going to end up in the ER all the time, right? Like, I, I, just want to, I just have in my mind, I, you know, I didn't grow up out here in the, in the coast and we didn't have all these things. I just want to know who thought it was a good idea to open up this, this mussel or this clam or this, this, this oyster and go, ooh, that looks good. Where was the disgust in their life? Like, you know, they, you know ooh, this bowl of snot looks really good. No. But somebody had enough curiosity to go, I'm hungry enough to eat a bowl of snot. Oh, And then they said, ooh, it tastes good. I'm sorry, disgust will win out every time for me. Or you have this, this opposing peace and anger. Now, now, there is a peace that passes all understanding. That's not the peace I'm talking about here. But you, you have this peace in your life versus the anger in your life. And there should be the peace that passes all the understanding. But there also be, should be the righteous anger that God gives us. And we don't have neither one of those in a normal process without us fighting for this. Uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the movie, they re- reference core memories, and uh, they never go to core fears. And I just want to, I don't have time to flesh this out today. It'll be a different message. But uh, there are core fears in your life that most of us, I want to say all of us, most of us operate out of. And, and I will say all of us operate out of those core fears if we never do anything to change it. And so uh, there is available, if you will uh, message Sherry, if you're online, they'll put it on a, a, a moment or whatever they call it. There's a link. You can take this core fear test. And, and as we grow up, we, we develop uh, fears in our life. Some fears are healthy. Most fears uh, that where we fear are not. Uh, we, we develop these core fears. Let me just give you a quick example of what I'm talking about here. Uh, so when I grew up, it was not a healthy environment. And uh, uh, I realized early on, by the age of five, I realized there was nothing I could do that was going to please anybody. Now, that's not true, but that's what I learned. And that's what I began to believe, and that's what became to be a core belief of mine, is there was nothing I could do to please anybody. Out of that became this core fear that I was an abject failure. I wasn't just going to fail at stuff. I was an abject failure. And, and so that became a core fear of mine. I have a couple others, uh, so do you. Uh, but uh, out of that abject failure mode, out of that core fear of being an abject failure, I began to develop my psyche. I wanted to please everybody, so I became a people, people pleaser. I became a perfectionist. Anybody know any perfectionists? Nothing they do is perfect. Just a little hint. Nothing we do is perfect. But if I can't do it perfectly, and I'm a perfectionist, and I'm fearing failure, being an abject failure, then I'm going to portray that on you. You know how that comes out? Nothing you do will be right. So I operate out of my core fear of being an abject failure. If nothing I can do is right, then nothing you can do is right, and life is a living, yeah, you know the rest of it. That's core fears. I don't have time to flesh that out, but take that core fear test. If you've got questions about it, just uh, hit me up. We'll talk about it because it will literally change uh, things that happen in your life. And so uh, what I want to talk about is, is God doesn't leave us there. God has promised to change us, to transform us. And one of the things that he, he wants to transform us is, is the way that we think. We don't have to think like the, the little cartoon. How many of us relate to that cartoon? Yeah, me too. I, I, I relate to that on a daily basis, but I, you don't have to stay there. He says in Romans 12, 1, he says, therefore, and I don't have time to flesh this out either, but the first 11 chapters of, of Romans, uh, Paul begins to build this, this idea, this process that we are all, 
Jews and Gentiles alike, those who have the law, those who don't have the law. We are all part of God's children. We can all be a part of his family. We have all been forgiven. There is a place for us. We can all have a loving relationship with him that lasts for all eternity. Therefore, he says in chapter 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the least you can do. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so how do we become a living sacrifice? Well, we change the way we think. That word mercies up there is based on the first 11 chapters. He, he builds this case that God has mercy on everybody. He has mercy on you. He has mercy on me. What does it mean to have mercy? He doesn't give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. We, we don't get what we deserve. How many, how many deserve. how many have ever sped? So what do you deserve? Speeding ticket. Right? How, how many have ever cut somebody off in traffic? What do you deserve? Right, right. So we, there's all these things that we deserve, but, but because there's mercy out there, we don't always get what we deserve, and that's what Paul builds us on. In fact, uh, Paul, in either 8 and 9 or nine, 7 and 8, one of those chapters, he, sa- he makes this comment. He says, I know the right thing to do, but I don't do it. Can you relate? I know the things I shouldn't do, <laughs> but those are the things I keep doing. Can you relate? And in the very next chapter, he makes this comment. But there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That is God's mercy. Because if we know what to do and don't do it, if we know what not to do and that's what we do, we don't deserve mercy. And that's where mercy comes in. And because of that, Paul then says, hey, we need to live a way way that that shows that we understand the mercy that we've received. In fact, we need to live in such a way that we show the grace that God gives us in place of the condemnation that we deserve. That's what he says. And so he says, how do you do that? You do that by transforming or renewing or changing the way you think. And then he makes this comment. And I want to add something to it. He says, then and only then. Then and only then will you, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many want to know what God's will is for your life? Change the way you think. It's that simple. And it's that difficult. It's that simple and it's that difficult. If you want to know God's way, will, then think the way that God designed you to think, not the way you're programmed to think. Because from the very early stages of your life, you have been programmed to think and do certain things. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, doesn't matter. We've all been programmed. And most of our programming is jacked up because the programmer who programmed us didn't know what he was doing. The programmer who really programmed us knew exactly what he's doing, and now he wants to reprogram you to change, change the way you think. That is the reality. So what, how, how do we do this? I, it's, it's very simple to talk about. James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen. How hard is that? especially when you're in the heat of the moment. How hard is it to be quick to listen when somebody, when somebody does something? In fact, I've, I've been working this for 17 years. I've been actively pursuing and working what I'm going to talk to you about this morning since the age of 40. I'm almost 57, and last week I jacked it up. Right, Pastor Mike? I'll just be honest. I jacked it up. I was not quick to, to listen, and I was not slow to speak. And I came in here to sit down, and God said, get your out of here and go make it right. And I got up, and I went and found Pastor Mike and made it right. You know? Now, 17 years ago, I'd have told Mike what I thought, 
I'd have said some other things to Pastor Mike. I'd have walked away from there. I'd have put my head on a pillow, and I'd have went to sleep. You want to know why? Because I didn't think I was wrong. But 17 years of changing the way you think, instead of it being weeks before I understand or months before I understand or years before I understand what I did wrong, it was moments. And that's the win. You're still going to do stuff wrong. You're still jacked up, folks. And you're still going to make poor choices. And you're still going to go back to the way you were taught to think. I, I, I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but that's just going to happen. You, the, the difference is, is you realize it a whole lot quicker. And when you realize it a whole lot quicker, you need to go take care of it a whole lot quicker. So anyway, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger will never produce the righteousness that God desires. So, uh, so I'm going to give you three things real quick, three things, and then eight more things. Good pastor. Anybody can change. Not everybody will change. Let me say that again. Anybody can change. Not everybody will change. It is your choice. You're either going to engage in this process or you're going to look at me and say, you're stupid, you don't know what you're talking about, and I'm not going to do a thing you say. But I'm telling you, 17, I'm like a reformed smoker. I'll be all over you with this. You ever, you ever ran across a reformed smoker? They'll do everything, include to take the cigarette out of your mouth and break up the pack and destroy the carton, and they don't care how much it costs. I'm going to love you in the process, but I'm telling you, you can change. Here's the first thing. It's going to take time. Been at it 17 years, still ain't got it right. Got it better, still ain't got it right. You didn't get here yesterday, and you're not getting out of here tomorrow. You were programmed to think the way that you think. You were programmed in your, in your childhood environment. I was programmed to think nothing I could do was other, was, would ever be good enough. So I became an abject fear failure. Uh, that was, that's, that's who I think I was. It, it, I don't think that anymore. Uh, but you're programmed early in life to think certain things. Oh, life is just terrible. I just like the rain because it fills my boots and runs down my back. You relate? You've been programmed to think that. You know, you know, all right, so I'm going to get off on another thing. You know you've been programmed to clean your plate even if you're not hungry? Shame on us parents. Time takes time. Honesty. You have to be honest with one person. You. There's, there's coming a time where you gotta, you're going to face the mirror, and you're either going to admit you're jacked up or you're going to continue to live your lie. But that time's coming. I hope for some people this morning that's that time where you realize I've got to be honest with myself. The way I think is not good. The way I think is, is not healthy. The way I think is, is not productive. The way I think is not beneficial. The way I think is, is nothing, nothing good is going to come out of the way I think. You have to be honest with yourself because you're going to lie to yourself. When, when you start this process, just admit you're going to lie to yourself in the early stages of this process because right now you think you, you're, you haven't done anything wrong. I'm here to tell you when you look in that mirror, you've done everything wrong. Because here's the reality. Nobody makes you frustrated. Nobody makes you angry. Nobody makes you mad. Nobody makes you anything. It's what you think that does all those things. 
You have to take 100% responsibility for what you think. Let me give you an example. Uh, I told you about last week. I, I'm a firm believer at what I, what I prepare. God's going to test me on it. So I've been preparing this message for several weeks. Mike just got the wrong, the wrong end of the, the, the thing last week. And uh, so this week I uh, went to uh, Jersey Mike's. I took my wife and, and her dad to the doctor's appointment. And I dropped them off. I was just going to run down the street, get some lunch for us, come back. I get into Jersey Mike's and there's like eight people in line. And I don't know, six or seven people standing over here waiting for the things they texted in 30 minutes ago. And there's two people working. Right, you've been there. I don't even have to say anything. I just walked in and I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to do what God's called me to do. And so I just, I got on my phone. I did some work. I did some other stuff. I didn't move for like 15 minutes. I texted Kelly and said, hey, going to be a while. She said, that's all right. We'll just wait. Well, you ain't got nothing else to do because I got the car. So uh, <laughs> reality so all these people that had texted everything, and you could hear them. Man, what am I having to wait for? I texted in early, so I wouldn't have to come in here and wait. People in front of me, you know. Two guys in front of me, they get up there, they order, and they realize it's going to be another 30 minutes before they get their food, and they get mad and walk off. And I thought, you know, perfect opportunity to talk out loud. I said, and I won't get this verbatim, I said something to the effect, all y'all people that are upset, you upset with yourself. You ain't upset with these two people fixing your food. You control everything that you're thinking right now. And these people ain't responsible for those thoughts you are. Lady behind me, she looked at me and she said, amen, somebody finally wants to talk truth. <laughs> the lady behind her was a barista at Starbucks and said, can you come to Starbucks? Because you need to talk a whole lot more people. <laughs> but you know, it's the reality. Ain't nothing those two people were doing to make you mad. You were making yourself mad because of what you were thinking about those two people. They're just incompetent, can't do anything. If they would just hire more people, yada, 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 all this other stuff. Really? Have you been anywhere today? Most people don't show up to work. You ought to be thankful they did. I'm just, it's just reality. But it's how we think that makes all the difference. And then you've got to practice this honesty, and then you've got to practice it. <sighs> I don't like that one. Don't pray for practice. You do know there's plenty of times every day to practice this stuff, right? There, there's plenty of time to practice this stuff. All right, so here's the eight things. They're going to be real quick. Sorry, Philippians 4, 8, 9. Paul provides us a formula, not the only formula. Paul provides us a formula on how God is going to transform your mind. It's not the only way. It is a way. So there's eight things that Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, and then he bases this on his own life. So Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, you ought to put this in your phone. You ought to put it on your calendar to go off every morning. You ought to put it on your calendar to go off every afternoon. You ought to put it on your calendar to go off every opportunity that you can, that you read these verses and you commit them to memory. Because you need to ask yourself eight questions, or at least eight questions out of these eight things. Paul goes on and says, um, whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me. You know, that's a lot of confidence. You know what Paul's saying? You ought to look at my life and what I've taught you because my life lines up with what I've taught you. And I go, I ain't there yet. I'm, I'm working it, but I ain't there yet. Paul says to the Philippians earlier on in this, in this, this book, in this letter, he says, hey, it doesn't bother me to tell you one more time. <laughs> I preached an entire message on that. I want you to know it bothers me to tell you one more time. Say it ain't so. 
How many times you tell your kids, how many times I told you that? Yeah, you're right there with me. It bothers you to say it one more time. I'm working on it. Anyway, Paul says, you can do this. You, you follow me. Put it into practice, what you've learned and received or heard or seen in me. And then he says this, and then the God of peace will be with you. You want peace in your life? You think on these things. You know why you don't have peace in your life? Because you think on other things. It's just reality. It, it, people in that, in that Jersey Mike's, they didn't have peace. You wonder why they didn't have peace? Because they was thinking on anything but these eight things. Let's, let's just turn these eight things into some questions real quick. Um, is it true? You, think about the last time you had a frustrating event, last time that you had an argument, or last time you were cut off in traffic, or last time whatever. The, the last frustrating, angry moment in your life, what did you think? And was it true? Those people in that Jersey Mike's, it, things are going through their head. These people are incompetent. Was that true? No, that guy, that guy that was cutting meat, I was shocked he wasn't cutting his fingers off. He was cutting so fast. So he was, definitely wasn't incompetent. I mean, that guy, he had 12 sandwiches going all at once, you know, just da 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 That girl, the, the third girl finally showed up. They just had a bunch of people that called out. Third girl finally showed up, and she was struggling to keep the sandwich in front of her going because he had so many sandwiches lined up. It wasn't an incompetent thing, but there was a lot of people, I guarantee you, they were thinking these people are incompetent. These people don't care. These people, and so what, what, what was your thought process? Oh, she meant to hurt me. Really? Your wife of 30 years meant to hurt you? Your wife, that, your childhood sweetheart meant to hurt you? Really? Uh, the husband that you have that goes out and works every day and, and sacrifices for you, he really meant to do that? Really? Is it true? Now, here's where the lies start. You're going to tell yourself, yes, it's true. I don't think bad things. I think exactly what it is. This is true in my life. He meant to hurt me. She meant to hurt me. They're incompetent. And the lies begin. Now, I want you to understand. You're going to ask yourself these eight questions. You're going to lie to yourself all these times. It's okay. At least you're asking yourself the eight questions. Just, to, just accept that you're going to have to work this process. It's going to take time, and it's going to take honesty. And that takes time. It's a process. This is where you start lying. Is it honorable? The word honor here really gives the impression of inviting or attractive. Is, is what I'm doing inviting a relationship? Is what I'm doing attractive to a relationship? You know, everywhere Jesus went, people wanted to hang out with him. You ever wonder why? There was something about him that was honorable. There was something about him people could trust, that they, they could look at him and they could hear him and they could say, this guy is an inviting guy. Is what you're thinking doing that in, the, in your relationships? What you're thinking about the guy that just cut you off, you're not telling him you're number one. If you had the opportunity to do something else, you would, in many cases. You know, is, is what, you're, what you're thinking honorable to your spouse? Is it honorable to your kids? Is it honorable to those around you? Is it honorable to your boss? Is it just? Would what you're thinking hold up in a court of law? If you, if you took all of the thoughts in your process and went before a judge and you laid all out your entire defense, this is why I'm thinking all of this, would the judge side with you? Now, we want to say, yeah, why? Because justice is always cited towards us, just like grace. But the reality is, you're not just, and I'm not either. That's why I'm not judge, and I'm not God. Thank the Lord. When Moses said, I'll step back and you start over, I'd have said, all right, we're going to start over, Moses. And Moses would have jacked it up just like everybody else. Anyway, our justice is not justice. Are my thoughts pure? Here, here's a tough one. 
I don't care what kind of relationship we're talking about. I don't care what kind of event we're talking about. But let's, let's just use relationship. You're not married. You weren't married. Whatever. You're married. Whatever. Relationships. You have this relationship. It goes bad. So you take what went bad from that relationship and you take it to your next relationship. And so now you've got a bad relationship there and you've got a bad relationship here. And so then you take that to the next relationship. You follow me? You're just piling up all the bads. You just keep piling up all the bads. And until you deal with the bads in these relationships, you're just going to keep taking all these bads. Your thoughts are impure because you're bringing other things to the, the thought process that this person never did to you. Yeah, have you ever heard the phrase, if you don't heal from the cuts that you have, you'll bleed on the people that never cut you? If you don't deal with the hurts in your life, You'll take the pain and the stress and everything else from those hurts and you will place them on the person in front of you because you've never dealt with them. And that person in front of you has never done anything to hurt you. But that's what you'll do. Are your thoughts pure? Are your thoughts worthy of love? Is it a loving thought? Would you want somebody to think that about you? Would you want God to think that about you? Is it worthy of love? Is it favorable? Am I, am I trying to build a relationship? Am, am I trying to do the right thing? Am I, am I bringing favor on the other person? Am I bringing favor on myself? You see, even when you think bad things, it's not bringing favor on you because you're destroying yourself. It's, it, it, you're angry at somebody. Well, that's the saying go? I don't think I'm going to get it right, but the saying goes, you know, when you're angry at somebody else and you're hoping they, that, they, that they get injured, they don't even know. How many times you have an injury to somebody else from somebody else and they don't, you don't, even, they don't even know that they ever injured you? And you're hoping that they get sick while you're drinking the poison. That's what our thought process is. Is it favorable? Is it excellent? How many like excellence in your life? How many want excellence in other people's life? How many want excellence in your thoughts? That's difficult. Is it excellent? Is it commendable? Is it worthy of praise? So in each of these questions, you'll initially convince yourself your thoughts are justified. Uh, they're right. They're correct. It's just our way of thinking. It's how we've been programmed. You know when you realize a program is, is, doesn't work? When you put it to the test. These people spend hours programming computers. I can't get into this, but I used to do acquisitions. We were doing a software program, and we get down there, and the whole thing is software. And we get down there and they go, we got a virus. I said, how'd you get a virus? We didn't have any virus protection. You're a software contractor. You program stuff. And you have no defense against it. But how many of our lives are just like that? We just go with a program that we've been instilled with all of our life. And God says, you don't know how to think right let me give you a new way to think. It just, if nothing else out of this, here's what I want from you. Will you slow down before you make a choice? You're, here, here's how it's going to happen. I hope here's how it's going to happen. I hope it's better than this, but here's, here, here's, the, here's my hope. Something's going to happen. I'm telling you, you get tested on what God's teaching you. Something's going to happen in the next day or two. You're going to respond like you always responded because that's how you think right now. You may go two days, three days, a week, and then I want this ugly mug to show up in your face. And I want you to hear me say, 
ask the eight questions. But it's already passed. I don't care. It's got to start somewhere. Ask the eight questions. Is what I was thinking true? Was it honorable? Was it just? Was it commendable? Was it worthy of praise? Ask the eight questions. You want to know why I want you to ask that? Because that's the win. Because you're changing what you're doing based on what you're thinking. Eventually, you'll only ask one question. Is what I'm thinking true? I've been at it 17 years. I'm not there yet. Close, but I'm not there yet. And when you change what you're thinking, you'll change every action of your life. That's what God tells us. That's what God promises us. You want to know God's will? You want to do God's will? Think the way that God thinks. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you love us so much that you're not a God of a chance, but you're a God of continual chances. That your mercies aren't, aren't limited. That, that you, like Paul would say, I know what to do, but I don't do it. I know what not to do, but I keep doing it. But in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And because there's no condemnation, God, I want more than anything to change the way I think. I know what I've done in the past. I know what I deserve. But more than anything, Father, I want to change the way I think so that I can show others that a relationship with you that we can enjoy for all eternity is the only thing that this life should be about. So, Father, we give you praise this morning. In Christ's name, amen.